Happy first day of September, friends. I can't think of a better way to ring in some big new month energy than with this multi-hyphenate skincare entrepreneur boss babe, Tessa Zolli. Tess is a host of a top podcast, The Treatment Room. You might have heard of it. She's the creator of Free Skin by Tessa Skincare Line, and she is the lead esthetician, number one hype girl, and owner of Tessa Skin. I am so excited for you to hear her unique career journey that allowed her to start over, pivot, and follow her passion. How she leaned into the passion fire and capitalized on that energy to jumpstart her aesthetics career, seeing the white space on the social media platforms and wanting to authentically fill it, her approach to balancing education with sales, and her general thoughts on the state of today's beauty and aesthetics industry and products. This conversation made me feel as relaxed and rejuvenated as if I just got the world's best facial from my best friend, and I cannot wait for you to feel the same. Before we dive in though, I just want to give a quick shout out for a recent review that we received here at the She vs. World podcast. This is from Alpen Glow Skin Spa. I feel the clarity, pose, and power in your mission statement and can't wait to listen and learn on this incredible journey with you and your guests. You're incredible, Courtney. Oh my God, Courtney, you're incredible, girlfriend. Thank you so much for this review. It is so beautiful. It absolutely made my day and it really, really helps the show. It helps share the show with other listeners. And we are so, so, so grateful that you took the time to give us a review and give us a shout out. If you guys are loving the show, please don't forget to share it with a friend, someone who would find it valuable. And please, please, please don't forget to go and rate it on our Apple Podcasts. Is it on iTunes? No, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And now let's dive into it. Welcome to the Sheet vs. World podcast, because being a modern woman balancing a career, business, friendships, relationships, family, oh, and our own needs can sometimes feel like it requires superwoman level powers. I'm Danielle Stead-Blanton, athlete turned corporate attorney who left my completely unfulfilling career in a male-dominated industry to disrupt the space and build the table for women leaders in the health and wellness worlds to thrive. I've teamed up with some of the biggest household names from their starts and through their massive growths by providing business, legal, and operations consulting services, while also being their number one hype gal and sometimes the dose of tough love that only your best girlfriend can give you. On this show, I'm sharing everything I've learned along the way, both the practical business lessons to help your business thrive and the tough life lessons that ladies, we are just not talking about enough and need to be. And of course, I'm handing the mic off to some of the most inspiring and powerful women in our industries to share their stories and lessons too, because together we can conquer it all. Hi friends. If you've ever met someone and you just felt your soul connect, then you know what it's like to meet Tessa Zolli, who you probably know is my SD Tessa. Now my brain might have read her handle the first time as my SD bestie Tessie, but tell me there isn't a more fitting title for this angelic queen behind the treatment room podcast, free skin by Tessa skincare line and the powerhouse skincare business, Tessa skin. To know her is to literally love her with your whole heart. And if you don't know her yet, today is your luckiest day. We have Miss Tessa Zolli on the podcast. Hello, Tess. How are you? Oh my gosh. Hello. I had to mute myself because 
I'm just giggling and blushing. My rosacea is going crazy, <laughs> but that was so <laughs> sweet. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here to, to be here with you. I'm so excited you're here because you are someone who is responsible for this show. Your conversations with me and your encouragement is a large reason that I got this up and going. And so this is like a huge moment for me. It's very full circle to get to have a conversation with you now. Oh, I'm, I can't even believe you're saying that, but this is a long time coming. I'm just so excited to see where this takes you because as I was telling you, you're just such a natural host and I just think this podcast is major. So I am so honored to be here and yeah, you are like my instant soul sister. It was just off the bat. I feel like we were just both like, I'm obsessed. (laughs) Has anyone ever told you that they've read your handle totally wrong the way I did and, and, and thought it was like my Esty bestie? I mean, kind of like that. Maybe I should change it. I haven't heard that yet, but I'm sure you're not the only one who thinks that. I really hope that I'm I'm not the only one, but also I'm kind of embarrassed to have shared that with everybody. So. <laughs> no, no shame here. I love that you shared that. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So part of the reason, you know, you just mentioned like, it was like a soul connection. The very first time you and I talked is I felt like you and I have like an interestingly similar background of like, we started in corporate, we kind of followed the career path. And then you, as I just shared with everyone in this intro have just blossomed and skyrocketed into your purpose as an esthetician, as a brand owner and I think a lot of people who listen to this really relate to that of leaving the corporate, of following their passion. And so I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about that and share that with. And I'd love for you to start off with this introduction of sharing who you are, how you got here, early career days. Give us all the goods. Oh my gosh, what a great question. And yeah, we definitely relate on leaving the corporate world. And yeah, I do talk to a lot of women, especially who are in a similar boat and it can feel really scary. So yeah, I'm happy to walk you through my journey. I was telling you, I feel like I've lived nine lives. I've definitely tried a lot of jobs out and just done a lot of different things. But so I guess let's start at the beginning. I mean, I was always a kid who was really fascinated with beautification of literally everything. I loved going to my friend's house and cleaning their room or just like bathing (laughs) my pets, anything like that. That was like making things pretty. And I really loved and had an interest in product from a very early age. Like I have memories of begging my mom to take me to CVS so I could just stare at the face wash (laughs) in the aisles. And that was like my earliest memory of self-care. I just really was fascinated by product and thought, wouldn't it be cool to one day create something that other people would treasure and feel like this is their little moment with themselves. And I remember my mom would just let me 
get a face wash if I needed it, if it was on sale. And I really just, I would take it home and feel like this is my little me time. And I just loved reading about the ingredients and even looking at the labels. I was always really fascinated. I would have my girlfriends over and do little face masks on them. In the 90s, DIY was really big. So I remember I had this book about face masks and I wouldn't recommend that now, but it is something I remember just really loving, taking care of things and and making things feel beautiful and um, kind of giving somebody else that experience of having a clean space or just a clean, clean appearance. So I really loved things like that. But, you know, when you're little, I think you can have these signs about things that really light you up, but you don't necessarily pay attention to them. And I didn't know what an esthetician was growing up. I didn't know any estheticians. I also really loved writing. And I do think I'm a more like left-brained creative type of person. So for a long time, I really thought I was going to be a writer. And I thought, how can I melt that with beauty. So I thought I'm going to be a beauty writer. So that's what I pursued for most of my life. I went to college for creative writing and ended up having a a lot of jobs in PR, in beauty PR, in fashion PR. I loved magazines because that's where I learned about these beauty products. So I really wanted to work at a magazine for a long time. That's really where I saw myself. And I would, even when I was younger, I would take Vogue or InStyle and I would flip it open and I would go to the masthead and I would just call them. Like I would call (laughs) the editors and people and ask, is there anything I could do for you? Can I be an assistant? Can I intern? Got so many no's, but from a young age, I was just always really driven to kind of make something of myself. And I felt like it was really hard to find that one thing that I was going to be. And I I struggled with that a lot. So I would just try a ton of things. I ended up working at magazines and yeah, doing the PR thing, working in beauty PR. And um, it wasn't until I'd say maybe like seven years into my career after kind of pursuing those kind of jobs where I remember sitting at my desk at E, which is, the last place I worked before becoming an esthetician and we would get all these products dumped on our desks. And of course I loved that, but I would look at the products and I remember this, like turning over the back of, I think it was like a shampoo label or something. And I just remember looking at the ingredient deck, feeling so confused and feeling like, hmm, everyone's saying this is a great product, but why? And I had this fascination to figure out why. And Cut to, I ended up getting my first facial ever around that time. And that was a really transformative experience for me. Um, And that was kind of the moment where I realized what an esthetician was. And my world was just opened up. I thought it was so cool that this person had all the answers for all of the questions on my mind um, and knew so much about plants and ingredients and the skin. And I remember getting off that table and then looking at my skin in the mirror and just really, again, having that feeling like I had been taken care of 
And I just fell in love with it. And I remember going back to E and I couldn't stop thinking about this facial I had. And I had started to Google people like Narita Joy, Shani Darden, and we were always doing articles on these celebrity estheticians at E. And that's where my interest was really peaked. And I ended up just <laughs> quitting my corporate job and taking the leap and um, signing up for esthetician school. Wow, that's a such that, a mouthful. <laughs> no, first of all, I just wish I was friends with you growing up so you could have cleaned my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I would not know where to put anything. So it was beautiful on the surface, but it's like nobody knew where their shoes were or <laughs> where their important things were. But I just remember, and I'm still this way, like I get so much dopamine and a sense of calm from cleaning things and making things aesthetically beautiful. Oh, I'm the same way. Like when pe people say that when you clean, when you're stressed is a form of procrastination. When I clean because I'm stressed, it genuinely makes me feel better. It's like the, the piece of having like no dog fur and the dishes done and the clothes put away. It is my dream. No, it's truly a process where we release dopamine. It goes back to those like early primate roots of of cleaning each other, we actually get dopamine from these grooming processes. So I think that's something too, that just like really lights me up and a lot of people feel good about. And my favorite thing is working with somebody on their skin and allowing them to enjoy the time of grooming themselves and their skin instead of it being like a point of stress. Like I have so much acne or I have this uncontrolled skin condition. I think everyone deserves that same dopamine rush. I never knew that. That is something so fascinating. And it's also something that I really love about you is how into science you are with all of your practical and tactical elements of your job is like you, you, you're a nutrition school. You're like, you, you learn the science behind things, but I had no idea about the dopamine rush, which explains the high I get when I vacuum. <laughs> So. Yes. No, I'm the same way. That's incredible. So I got to ask you, you got a facial when you're working at E. Do you remember the person who gave you the facial? Was it, was it like the experience itself that changed your life or was it the person doing it? Mm, that's a great question. So yeah, funny story. So I went to this spa in San Francisco. It's called Credo. And I was, I was obsessed with the person who gave the facial. The, their treatment room is stunning as well, but it was really the person and how I felt in her care. She, it felt like she had an answer for everything, but she was so calming and nurturing at the same time. So I really believe it's about the person and their personality. And I, so after I went to esthetician school, I reached out to that spa and that is the first spa job I ever had. And I, I believe the girl's name was Emily and she no longer works there, but like I really owe her so much. And I've told Credo this, like, please tell this girl, thank you. Cause she really changed everything for me. Wow. Isn't that wild? We think that like what we do sometimes can be so mundane. We teach one fitness class. We teach, we give one facial, we do one thing, but how that one thing is like going to then affect the course of that entire person's life. Yes. Yeah. There's really no accident. And 
that's like what I would always remind myself of when I was giving a treatment or when I'm in a consultation with somebody is just remembering like we get so caught up in the day to day and it might feel like just another class you're teaching or just another facial you're giving, but you really are, especially as an esthetician or as a workout instructor, a lot of times you're touching people physically or just touching them in a very special um, part of their day, whether it's fitness or skincare. So yeah, I agree. We can't underestimate like these seemingly small interactions. Yeah. They're everything to people. And that's what, yeah, that's what you're proven. So I have a question <laughs> for you. So you quit your corporate job, you go to pursue SD school. What's it like starting over? Because <laughs> as someone who started over themselves, I love the perspective yeah. of it. I love the humility that goes into it. And I think a lot of listeners want to know it's okay to start over. What was your experience like? That's such a great question. And it's one of the questions I, I get often is just, how do you know it's going to be okay? And <laughs> you, you don't know it's going to work out, but at the same time, things always do work out. So it's like, I think also understanding very few decisions are going to be permanent. And yeah, it was scary because I had this, you know, reasonable salary and I had worked up to this job at E for I think seven years. Like I'd had probably 20 jobs before then to prepare for that. So it felt like jumping off a cliff and leaving behind this secure job where I really enjoyed it. Um, and I had a lot of friends there. It wasn't bad by any means. It was just like something was pulling me in another direction. And I did feel like, here's something I always come back to. Like, I felt like my job at E, which was so much fun. I love pop culture. I, I loved being in that world, but at the end of the day, I would feel like I'd go home and I'd go to bed at night and there was just something missing. And I think for me, it was helping people and connecting with people on something that was going to impact them. And so I, I just felt like there was something missing and you, you gotta listen if, if you're hearing that voice continuously. So yeah, that it was not easy, you know, to leave and to start over. It's really hard. And like you mentioned, there is a lot of humility that goes into it. I came home, I worked for my family business until three o'clock. And then I would go to esthetician school until 11 PM. And that's, I think it was 11 months of doing that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it was definitely a little bit crazy, like trading um, all those years and a, a college degree that was not cheap for um, what I'd say, like, there just can be a stigma around like a trade school. So there, there was definitely a lot of humility involved, but I think the best advice I could say is just as cheesy as it sounds, like listening to your heart. If there's something you're so obsessed with and you can't stop thinking about it the way I felt. Um, you owe it to yourself to follow that and to listen to those curiosities. It's just like um, kind of what I said about 
my childhood feeling like something about grooming and taking care of people, like it really lit me up. And it's funny, like I was thinking about this the other day, like my boyfriend, for example, baseball fanatic, he's a baseball coach now. My brother always loved music growing up and would like write down all his song lyrics in his room. Now he's a music producer. Um, And I think, yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it really does pay off to listen to what lights you up. And I felt like I kept telling myself this narrative of, working at E and working for a corporation is like a a stable job. And, and you hear a lot that like jobs that are going to be pursuing a passion or something like aesthetics, you just can't possibly make money. But I am a firm believer. If you love something, like if you're so passionate about it, um, there's a way to monetize really anything. And I love that we're seeing more of that, like more small businesses and brands. And I'm sure you agree, Danielle, like growing up when we did, mm-hmm. we just, I didn't see those examples a lot. And I, I always kind of um, just felt like pursuing something um, that was just an interest wasn't going to make me a lot of money, but I think there's just so many opportunities these days and social media is kind of leveling the playing field. So we're seeing more and more people leave corporate jobs to start a business um, or just pursue a passion and know at the end of the day, you can always start over. You can always get another job if it doesn't work out. I think that's like what is absolutely the nail on the head was that we didn't grow up seeing it. So we didn't think it was possible And now this new generation gets to see it and, you know, see that it is possible. That's so valuable. And, and to me, it's, it's like what a leg up they have just knowing that that's there, that there's people that have pursued the wildest and wackiest of dreams that have then been Mm -hmm. incredibly successful for them. Totally. Totally. So you started when you were in SD school. First of all, I can't, I didn't realize you were also doing like working for the family business and then going mm-hmm. and taking class at night. Like that's mm-hmm. a double time hustle right there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. <laughs> and I had started my YouTube at the same time, but uh-huh. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, just like you have to take advantage of that window of time when you are so on fire for something because as you get a little bit older, like you don't have as much energy, but if you can really capitalize on that, that movement and that energy, it didn't feel like, yes, I was exhausted, but I was also so excited that I just didn't mind. I was just, it felt cool for once to be, kind of doing something for myself. I love what you just said about capitalizing on that fire because I think a lot of us or a lot of people have thought, and I know I've thought at one point in time that if it's something that you love and it's something that you're going to be good at or successful at, it just should come so naturally and easy, but that it's that you will be exhausted, but there will also be this fire that pushes you. And so you, you get to have that fire and kind of like, let, let it fuel you through all of it. It's not just, you're not going to wake up every day and be like, I'm just so at ease and everything's going great. No, not at all. I mean, it does take a lot of sacrifice, but yeah, I think, you know, choosing things that you enjoy, 
at least it's, it's fun while you're tired. So, I mean, I'd say no to like hanging out with friends so I could sit in my room and edit my little YouTube videos and in iMovie and like, you know, publish them on YouTube to my 20 subscribers. But yeah, I think it was just kind of going with the energy and what lit me up. And I'm so, I'm so glad I did it at the time I did it in. What made you start? I'm curious. What made you start YouTubing this journey? Because I think a lot of people start and, and, and social media in general, because you're someone who's tremendously authentic in it. And you've also built a reputation for yourself and a brand through it is a lot of people say, I want to start a YouTube channel because I want to make money or because I want to get sponsored. What was for you the driving force to start sharing this journey and your story on that platform? Yeah. So I would sit in bed and YouTube was very big at that time. I think it was like 2016, but YouTube for me was where I learned a lot about skin. Like I mentioned Shawnee and Narada, I would sit in bed and watch their videos and I would just be so fascinated with the skin education. And I started to get curious about SD school and I would type in like, esthetician school to try to see what to, what is it even like because I have no idea and I I would see like a few little vlogs but there wasn't too much content um there was also one esthetician there now there are so many estheticians on social media but there weren't so many at the time besides the celebrity ones and I did find this girl Kelsey shirt and we are great friends to this day but um I felt like I I myself was searching for more content about aesthetics and there was this little white space. So I thought, why don't I just vlog my going to school? And I think like, of course, there are a lot of skin and and makeup people on YouTube, but there was kind of this white space for esthetician school where it wasn't fully tapped into yet. So I thought, why don't I just document this journey? And I really think that was the only way I was kind of able to grow the channel because it was very niche. And I'm, I figured like, if I wanted to see content like this, other people must as well. So Um, yeah, that's kind of how I started. And I would like record my classmates and be like, guys, I'm going to make a YouTube video. Um, Will you be in it? And I would like, yeah, just interview my classmates and record my little facials. But I, it started to build a loyal following. And I still remember like every, every person who would regularly comment. Um, And yeah, it just started to build a little community of people who who thought it was kind of cool to pursue something else like esthetician school or people who are just there for the skin content. I think that's really great because you, like I said a few minutes ago, you're such a learner and you're a consumer of like science and fact and information. And so to look at it and say like, this is a white space for someone else to learn is really also why I think you were able to gain momentum and to continue to gain momentum because you know, other people say, oh, it's easy to start a YouTube channel because you can make money in 2016, or I'm sure you can make money now still, but it it was never built out of, or it never came out of like, I'm going through this. And so I'm going to monetize it, which is where I think there is a disconnect between now and before. 
Oh my gosh, I fully agree. And, you know, I'll admit like now as I have more of an audience and I do have products to sell, it's uh, there, of course, I share links and and um, I, I want to make a living for myself too. But like recently I've been realizing like it just doesn't fulfill me so much to just want to sell. So that's something I've been realizing more and more. And as I see just everyone's got something to sell, but it doesn't fulfill me. So I've been realizing too lately, just like how much magic there was at the time of starting the channel, even though it was so small, it was so pure of heart. Like I just wanted to have some friends to talk about skincare with at the time. (laughs) But, um, and now I think nowadays people are getting so good at dodging links and they're just tired of being sold to it. So I think we really have to think about as content creators, what am I bringing to my audience? Um, how am I bringing them value, whether it's education or entertainment or just company to relax with and, you know, feel like I have a friend to chat about a common interest with. So yeah, that's what I realized like a few years into doing the micro influencer thing. It, it really just has to be about you enjoying what you're doing and sharing that with someone. And um, yeah, it just, I think if you're in it for money, it can really only go so far. Um, I think at this point, consumers are so sophisticated where, you know, I've done sponsored content that just flops and it's because people are like, why are you doing Mm. this versus how do you normally show up? And I think we've also become so numb, like you said, to like the sales links, dodging them and closing things where we feel like we're being sold to that if we can't find that authentic connection and what someone's selling, then I would almost rather watch someone's day in the life than have someone yes. sell me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just the reality these days, you know? So I think, I think, yeah, it has to be about more than the money and you genuinely have to love what you're doing. And anytime I kind of feel myself getting away from that, I try to take the pause and even just not put it, put anything out so I can, recenter and make sure I get back to feeling like myself and feeling like I'm excited to show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually want to pivot on like a very similar topic of skincare yeah. in general, because mm, you are, <laughs> I mean, this is your, your absolute wheelhouse and your throne is like one, you have your line free skin by Tessa. And I have so many questions on behalf of everyone who wants to know how you created your own skincare line. But two, you're really good about, you partnered with, now I hope I don't butcher this, you partnered with Glymed. I think they're one of your biggest partners that you do a lot of when you prescribe um, regimens and routines for clients. Let's kind of start with how do you approach educating people on skincare while also knowing that it is something that is like a, a revenue generator for your business? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think it, it has to come back to addressing people's needs and, you know, it, it, climate is amazing. And I think it has to be, if you're going to partner with a brand, you truly 
have to, it has to be centered around the client and the need. Um, and that's really where my line was born as well. Like seeing a gap in what I was offering people and just feeling like, I wish I had this one thing that could could help my clients. This one thing that I feel like is missing. So for skincare, it has to be, um, if you're going to promote anything, it has to address a need. It has to provide a solution. Um, and I think for estheticians where we're a little bit different from somebody just promoting, you know, a, a line they're affiliated with, or, you know, something that's sponsored is our clients are truly a reflection of, us as the business. So it's in our best interest to provide products that are going to be solutions oriented, that are going to make the person happy. And um, we desperately want to find solutions for our clients and give them things that work because, you know, there's so many, so many products out there, so many other estheticians and businesses. If something's not working, it's really easy for somebody to jump ship and go somewhere else or just, you know, even um, tell their friends they didn't have a great experience with you or their needs weren't addressed. So I think for estheticians, we're just really focused on the solutions and giving people products that are going to work. There's so many that don't. So yeah, we want to see our clients happy and it's in our best interest too as businesses to work with lines that are really, really great. Do you find that there's ever this, you know, conflict of interest or push and pull even of you're showing up and saying like, I did this, you mm -hmm. know, you shared with me before we started recording, you did a whole like beauty regimen this morning. Love that <laughs> for you. You know, do you, let's say you pop on, on stories and you're like, this is the mask I used, click the link to shop my store, like, do you ever feel kind of weird selling that? Or does it feel authentic versus when you have like influencers who are like, use my code for 20% off? Yeah, I think because I believe in the lines I work with, I work with Glymed, I work with this clinical, I work with Jan Marini. I had, you know, the option um, when I was creating products to really create anything, but I'm just not interested if, if it's not solutions oriented. So, and that's the thing with selling. A lot of people are uncomfortable with selling and sales until you learn the other side of it, that just like Danielle, when you go see Ashley, um, you don't feel sold to because her best interest is making you happy and providing a solution. So, um, as long as it's a product I, I connect with, I know is efficacious. And if it's a product I've seen work well for clients, then it doesn't feel salesy and it doesn't feel inauthentic. Um, I say no to 99% of the, um, <laughs> PR requests in my inbox, um, just because I don't feel like it's anything I don't have. I don't feel it can compete with what I do have. Um, so I am loyal to the, the lines I work with because I just know them inside and out. We train with these lines. We use them on so many skin types and we see incredible results. We're able to actually change people's skin and change their life with incredible product. And I've worked with and tried before I became an esthetician. Um, I've tried a lot of things that 
don't work. And I went through quite an acne journey myself. Um, and I've gone through a lot with rosacea and perioral dermatitis. I've always been that product junkie. I love products, but I think because I tried so many things that didn't work. And I also believe if, if something doesn't work, it can easily make a skin condition worse because if we're not treating it properly, it can easily go in another direction really, really quickly. So, um, yeah, I'm just so picky about what I do work with. And, um, I would feel weird if it was something I hadn't used on clients before, if I didn't know it, it was scientifically backed and clinically trialed, I just wouldn't hop on promoting it. Um, it's not worth the time taking away from my clients and my business to promote something for 500 or even a thousand dollars, even if it's a lot of money. Um, I always think about the big picture. So yeah, I just don't, I don't do a lot of those like little affiliate deals because I am confident in the solutions I do have. And speaking of the solution you do have, you have your own skincare line yourself that you've made for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're my babies. They're sitting on my desk right now. I was doing some (laughs) shipping before we talked. But yeah, so really kind of the, um, the vision for free skin was... So I I think I've told you this, but I I specialize in acne and rosacea, two conditions I have myself that need to be closely managed. And of course, there are so many beautiful cleansers out there, but I was struggling even working with lots of amazing brands. I didn't feel like I had exactly what I needed for the first step in a skincare routine, which is gentle and efficacious makeup removal. Um, And with acne and rosacea, these are conditions where we can't occlude the follicle. With rosacea, when you do that, it's when the skin can um, heat up really quickly and the demodex mite, which is a really cute little (laughs) uh, tiny, tiny mite um, that we all have, but it, it's in excess with those with rosacea. So you can't occlude, you can't occlude the skin because it's kind of like tucking him in in a little blanket, allowing him to thrive and proliferate and heat up the skin. So I was noticing it's such a shame for my rosacea clients to, in their first step of makeup removal, occlude the skin with oil cleansers, um, which is really popular in double cleansing. Mm-hmm. And I should mention, that's what my products are for. It's a two-step double cleansing system. Um, and same for acne. If we include the follicle in the first step, it's just such a bummer because everything that comes after is less effective. And it's just like, you want to start fresh. You want to have a clean canvas. You want to make sure the skin is clean and calm and not clogged. Anytime I'm using an oil, um, we have a rule in skincare that is you want to work from the smallest molecule to the largest. So I always want to use an oil as the last step in the routine, if ever. And I don't believe oils are great for everyone, especially these really tricky skin types, rosacea and acne. Um, so that's kind of where my my system was was born. And the other thing I was seeing was a lot of people compromising their barrier 
in the cleansing step, which again, the first step of the routine, such a bummer to completely strip that and then be unable to use your active ingredients or things that are going to um, be leave-on products used to treat a skin condition. So yeah, I also saw this white space for double cleansing where I just felt like, how can I do this um, in, in my own way that's going to suit my clients? So my clients were always at the heart of it. The goal wasn't just to, you know, create a skincare brand and put my name on it and feel cool about it. Like, I really um, felt like there was this missing need. Okay. A lot of celebrities and a lot of brands in general are white labeling product, especially in the wellness space with supplements, skincare I see it a lot. I've worked in it a bunch Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of selling their name and not a result. And Mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? Yeah. Um, you know, this is what I kind of always try to remind my audience. Um, unfortunately, like with skincare and with fitness supplements and with lots of things, it's such a moneymaker. So you know, and and it's not necessarily the celebrities fault. I'm sure they have teams that just realize there's so much opportunity and, and so much money to be made. If somebody like Hailey Bieber, no shade or Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian were Mm -hmm. to come out with Mm -hmm. a skincare line, because I'm sure they get the question all day, what skincare do you use? And it's like, why don't I just make my own? And then, then everyone can feel like, I'm going to have Haley's skin or Kim's skin if I buy this product. Um, and it's just like, people are going to do it. It's always going to be a thing. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a problem necessarily with private label itself, but it just comes down to the intention. What is at the heart of it? And yeah, there's a difference between, somebody who's truly an expert, like a a nutritionist um, or an esthetician who sees a need, who knows their clients inside and out, who has studied this industry and wants to make something because it addresses a certain need. That's very different from just, you know, a celebrity seeing an opportunity to make money. So I think Here's the thing. At the end of the day, it falls on the consumer to just be very wise about who they purchased, who they purchase product from, who they take advice from. And yeah, if I kind of just feel like don't celebrities make enough money on their TV shows and their collaborations? Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. do you have to go into another lane. I mean, because there's money there, there's so much money. So yeah, that's kind of my thought on it. It's going to happen, but yeah, I just think buying from an expert, um, is always going to be a better way to go versus just buying a celebrity's products because, because they're using it and you have to know at the same time, this is something people might not understand, but celebrities especially have access to things than us normal, normal uh, people don't have access to. There are prescriptions. There are, of course, like 
nutritionists and trainers and doctors and estheticians mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they have all the resources to get these treatments as much as they would like they have access to the best of the best um so just remember that when you see a celebrity promoting a skincare product that the they mm-hmm. probably don't have the skin they have because of that product it is probably from from access to treatments that the average person doesn't have. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. There's a very well-known celebrity out there who says her skin is all because of a very common kitchen item. And <laughs> yes, if I say it specifically, everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually because it's it's actually it's well documented that she'll take like human growth hormone which totally. I have no shade against or, you know, like hormone supplements or just like LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on recovery alone, guys. Like what if we spent mm. that much money on skincare? Totally. And, and so I think, I think it's always worth sharing those little facts when you can just to be like, I mean, maybe the celebrity does use this kitchen item, but maybe they also take human growth hormone and that's why they look like that. Totally. Totally. IVs and metformin and even, low-dose Accutane, um, which can actually help with the cosmetic appearance of the skin. (laughs) It's high-dose vitamin A, so from the inside out, it it can treat fine lines, wrinkles, scarring. Um, So yeah, yeah, I think there, we, that stuff is kept under wraps so that celebrities can be a platform for it for these products and, you know, they got to get their bag too. But yeah, I, I think just it, it does fall on the consumer to be careful and wary of what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's where you do a really great job. And I think that you, we kind of talked about this earlier with education, like you're somebody who is so science focused, data driven, you're in nutrition school right now, correct? That's the correct title for it. Yes. And, and it's like, you're taking all of these extra steps to then provide education. And so if I was newer to being an SD and I'm looking at you thinking like, how is Tessa always selling so much product and so authentically talking about things and integrating it into just how she shows up? Like, how would you, what would you tell them advice wise? What recommendations would you give them of the best way to give value to Mm. potential customers, clients, people just Mm -hmm. watching on social media? Mm, That's a great question. I would pay attention to, to what people ask you. And, you know, I kind of felt this way, like skin and overall wellness and nutrition, they're so intertwined. And I kept feeling like I wish there was more I I could legally touch on within my scope of practice. And I felt like nutrition was really the, the missing link and um, empowering people to take care of their body and, and understand, you know, that this stuff is holistic. It's, it's also interconnected. So for me, I just felt like this is part of my belief system to, to connect everything. And I just, when I feel like if I can learn something, if I feel like that could elevate my practice, make it stronger or 
help others to kind of fill in certain gaps. Um, that's what I'll do. So yeah, that's kind of just like with SD school, I'm really lit up about nutrition. And I felt like that is really going to solidify my business and allow me this ability to talk to people more in depth about um, their lifestyle and nutrition habits. So yeah, I would, I would pay attention to the questions people ask you. And if you're feeling repeatedly like, I can't answer that the way I wish I could, or, you know, there's more to learn here. I think just continuously pursuing that education and arming yourself with more information is going to set you apart. Like, I feel like I always will, will get questions. Maybe I can't answer at the time. I'll always say, let me think about this and get back to you and then do more research, talk to other professionals. And and that's how I learn a lot is just, I'm like, Oh, I I can't answer that now. What can I learn so that I can? Do you ever feel like people go too far and they just keep asking you questions (laughs) and asking you questions? I mean, asking for a friend here who, who experiences that too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's really tough these days. I get a lot of people in my DMs asking, can I send you a picture? Can you, can you tell me the routine if I just send you what I'm using? And it is, it is difficult. And especially I think as a a virtual business, as much as I want to help, um, you do have to delineate between how are you going to serve your audience and how are you going to, you know, have your golden clients that appreciate your business and your services. Um, and yeah, so it's tough. I wish I could answer more questions, but the thing about skin especially is it is so personal. And in the past, you know, especially when I was a student getting, getting those questions, I'd be so flattered and honored and I'd want to help and give people the answers, but you're also kind of doing them a disservice. Same with you, Danielle. Like if you don't really know somebody's legal situation and if if you haven't entered into a contract mm-hmm. together, it's difficult to um, serve them. And, and um, yeah, you have to be careful of your energy too. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So last question here. If mm-hmm. I was looking to be a virtual SD like you are, like there are I think you've even like kind of made jokes and touched about this of like the difference, you know, people being like, you're going to just help people online and do skincare. And you're like, yes. What's Mm -hmm. a great tip for somebody who's really wanting to transition maybe out of that day-to-day treatment room, hands-on into Mm. something like what you're doing where you're able to prescribe and connect and make just massive impact. Yeah. So I mentor a lot of estheticians who want to make the transition into working virtually and it can be done. I think like you mentioned, Danielle, having that foundational experience in the treatment room is so important. A lot of people want to go straight to the virtual thing just out of school. And I, I wouldn't recommend that because it, there is um, some challenges around, of course, treating the skin virtually. And when you're not able to physically touch the skin and -hmm. look at it up close, you really have to rely on that background knowledge and experiences you've had with treating different skin types. So that's like, you want that in the bank. You want that experience because 
it is challenging to treat people virtually and you have to know what are the potential surprises that could arise? What are the things that could go wrong? And how do I, here's the, the trickiest part of skincare is what's the threshold where I can fully manage this condition without oversensitizing someone or damaging their barrier. So you have to be mm. very well versed with treating the skin um, but as far as like transitioning virtually, I think a great way to be to do it would be to add it onto your menu while you are still working with people in person because it is difficult to first build an in-person clientele and then build a virtual clientele. They are different. I think it's great for more estheticians to offer virtual services because as we've learned from the pandemic, things can go wrong. We could get injured. We could get sick. We might have to close our doors. So having a way where you can connect with clients outside of the treatment room where you can stay in touch, where you can put them on a home care program and still get them great results is so valuable. And it is a way to bolster your business. So I think it's really smart for Estes to have and, and to think about um, having that side of the business, but, uh, you know, just making it known on your social media, I offer this. Um, and there are a lot of people who just don't like facials. <laughs> Couldn't be me, but people who don't enjoy being touched for, for different reasons or who don't have the time, who want to see results from home. So, um, there's definitely incredible opportunity for it. The other great side of it is you can work with people who are beyond just your immediate um, like uh, location. So you do have a lot more reach, but let people know it's something you offer, showcase the results you have gotten with clients, um, really highlight it on your social media and talk to your clients about it as well. They might have a friend or a family member who isn't quite ready to invest in facial treatments, but maybe they want to up their routine game. So yeah, talking about it and bringing awareness to the service, I, I would say is the first step. Cause I feel like also skincare is like, it's like an 80, 20 game. It's like, it's 80% of what you do on your own at home. And so if you have the support of someone during that time, then like the facial is the benefit. Not that it's not like the best hour of my month, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just that I, I know that like how important, like then like going home and supporting that is. Yeah. It, and that was kind of the impetus for, for this idea of virtual services. We know as estheticians and, and consumers know too, it's really about what you put on your skin morning and night, every single day, that is going to bring about the biggest change. Facials are amazing and, and those are important too, but you know, your esthetician can only touch your face maybe once a month or every six weeks. So, and estheticians say this too, like if you have to choose between a really awesome routine and facials, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point you towards the home care. So yeah, that's so, so important. And I, I felt like also in the treatment room, we only have so much time to devise a routine for our clients, to explain it, to talk about the lifestyle and give the treatment. 
So I felt like there was this need for like a full-on consultation where we can talk for an hour about your skin, your skin history, everything you've gone through before and what you're doing now and make a really concrete plan so you understand what your homework is and what you're going to do um, with this routine. Mm. In the most ideal world, right? We'd have all of it. We'd get the both the best of everything. Yes. And I will say Ashley is somebody who she, she has her ways. So, you know, um, a lot of estheticians do a great job of prescribing home care and, you know, making it crystal clear and other people need a little bit more, um, in-depth, separate, separate conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was so helpful. And I want to just be mindful of your time because I know it's so valuable, but I had a bunch of listener questions. Oh yeah, no, please. Questions that I always like to end on. So I have one listener question that I thought is really interesting. And because I really like sparking conversation, we're going to go with this one. Mm. So it's from Hayden Aesthetics. Hi Hayden. And she asked, uh, what do you say to holistic estheticians who don't promote sunscreen, um, who believe in the benefits of the sun, et cetera. Mm. And so that there's also no confusion here. I think that this is a great opportunity to, for me to ask you, how do you connect with clients who don't necessarily share a same belief system that you do as an esthetician on a broader level? And how do you try to connect with them? And at what point do you, Mm, yeah you know do you do you say like our energies Mm -hmm. aren't the best or Mm -hmm. can you tip them on toward your scales Mm. let me know your thoughts (laughs) yeah those are great questions and you know I think everyone everyone has good intentions it's it's tough you know the ozone isn't what it used to be and I see this narrative of the sun being healing in the media so often. And, you know, there's, there's some truth to it. The main benefit we know of from the sun, as far as its healing potential is that we do absorb vitamin D from the sun, um, which is responsible for assisting a lot of functions in the body. So it's not that that's not beneficial, but we also have to consider, and there's always two sides of every story. You can't just say the sun is healing because we have to look at skin cancer. We have to look at how it affects the immune systems by um, affecting the Langerhans cells, which are the first line of defense for the immune system in the body. So yes, you can improve the immune system with vitamin D, but there's another side to it. And then here's where it always depends in skincare. Who are we looking at? If we're talking about an acne client, the sun is is, um, something that incites inflammation. So it may absorb oil that's going to temporarily benefit acne. Um, And that's why phototherapy from the sun has been prescribed for acne for um, for a brief period of time, but we're not looking at what are the long-term effects of that. And over time, we know it just makes acne worse. If you're looking at somebody with rosacea or melasma, the sun's not going to heal those conditions. It's, it's going to mm-hmm. exacerbate them and create a very real problem. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I kind of just, 
I think we put these simplified terms on sunscreen, like, oh, there has been some, some benzene um, found in sunscreens, therefore all sunscreen is toxic. Um, Sunscreen is, is, of course, so important um, to protect the skin. It's the number one anti-aging tool we have. Um, so important to prevent skin cancer and um, to protect the immune system. And if we're looking at any inflammatory conditions, like I mentioned, we have to protect the skin and we have to protect that barrier function as well. So sunscreen is, is um, imperative. Um, and as far as you know, working with, with people who don't align with me. I'm fortunate that I think because I'm very clear about my values on social media, mm-hmm. this hasn't happened yet where somebody has, I think they maybe know what they sign up for. And when you are signing my form as a client, you know, at the bottom, um, I have a a paragraph that says like, I understand if I'm going to be using active ingredients or going in the sun between these peak hours or, you know, intentionally laying under the sun and tanning, um, you know, I understand the potential consequences of that happening. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I release tests from the liability they, they sign. Um, I'm always candid from the first meeting that, my clients absolutely must use sunscreen if they want they want to work together. Um, so yeah, I try to be transparent, like both on social media and both in my meetings about what is really required if we're going to work together. And that's not just for my liability reasons, it's also for the client's protection as well. Those are all like such phenomenal perspectives. And I love how you say, if, if you found me, we've probably already aligned in, in our philosophies <laughs> I so. because I think that's what the hardest thing about being a service provider is mm-hmm. when people, when people's philosophies or even like preconceived notions don't align with yours. And so you, you have to either be able to say like, this is where I draw the line in the sand and, and then stand in those philosophies, or hopefully you can find a way to educate them. Like you just mm-hmm. did with us sharing about cells and mm-hmm. the ozone and, and change people's minds. Totally, totally. And um, yeah, just showing the data too. Um, and, and showing photos, you know, you can see a photo. I'm sure you guys have seen that infamous picture of the truck driver where one side of his face was was physically protected because of the side he drived on. And you can see the side he, he wasn't physically um, blocked or protected. Or that photo of um, an older woman who wore sunscreen on her face, but not her neck. And unfortunately, her neck is quite damaged. Um, so yeah, it is all about education and science and it, it can get tricky. Something I've also realized being on the internet for like, uh, I don't know how many years it's been five or six, seven, um, Mm -hmm. you know, some people may not agree with you. Not everyone's going to love you, but you can't let that hold you back from asserting, asserting what, um, you know, you see to be true, especially as a professional, and especially if you have data to back it up. So yeah, sometimes there are comments of people who don't believe in sunscreen. um, And that's okay. I can't necessarily um, 
change their mind, the best I can do is present the information and um, not let it hold me back from educating. I love that. I think that is the highest note to end on right there because that is that is your personality and the education and the collaboration and and that's you in a nutshell. And so that's such a beautiful answer. Thanks, um, Danielle. Yeah, thank you. So I ask all my guests three questions to end every episode. I think they're really fun. Yeah. Um, and so so let's let's hit these and then we'll give an opportunity for you to share where everyone can find you and how everyone can work with you, but. My first question is, is who is your dream client or brand that you would love to get to share your magic with? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is such a great question. Who would it be? Who would it be? Um, hmm, I might be stumped. Um, something like in the health and wellness space, or, you know, if there was a, and here's the reality, like a lot of celebrities and influencers go through skin struggles and it affects them having to show up on camera. So, I mean, if there was anyone who's like really struggling with their skin, whether it be acne or, or rosacea or sensitive skin, impaired barrier function, I love that kind of challenge <laughs> to actually improve the skin. Um, so like, I'm so tempted whenever I see influencers or celebrities who are um, cool enough to be honest about their struggles with skin. I always just want to tell them like, please call me, let me help you. So yeah, I love that problem solving side of things. So I think that would be my answer. I would so love if you wrote on their like latest posts, like please call me so I can help <laughs> oh, you with I your, have. your acne. <laughs> Shamelessly, I have. I'm still waiting for the call, but yeah, I really, I would love that. I think that's so awesome because it's like, it's also just acknowledging we all can, we all suffer and we can all get help too. Totally, totally. And here's mm -hmm. the thing. I think a lot of people don't realize with these conditions I'm talking about, you know, especially acne, it's so complex. I think a lot of people put this pressure on themselves to just solve it. Like what's that one thing that I can pinpoint that is the culprit for this acne. And I wish it was that easy, but most often it's so multifaceted. It's, it's deeply intertwined with all of our systems and our daily habits and what we're applying topically that, yeah, it's pretty complex. Somebody can have like 10 to 15 acne triggers going on at once. So yeah, I kind of love putting on my detective hat and, and problem solving. But yeah, people put a lot of pressure on themselves to like figure acne out when there is no cure and um, it just has to be managed and it really takes a lot of strategy. So um, yeah, that's where I think skin professionals and estheticians can be really amazing. I'm going to start watching random influencers stories or <laughs> Um, posts and be like looking for your comments. And yes. Like, yes. I'll be there. I'm going to find one Trolling. one day. Please. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Second question here. If your business received a 10,000 grant tomorrow, $10,000 grant tomorrow, 
meaning you don't pay it back. It's yours to use. What would you do with it? I would definitely um, create more skincare products. I, I, I'm not tempted to make like a ton of SKUs just for the sake of doing so. But I think here's like a tricky thing about being a startup or starting a business is you are constantly making a little money and then putting like two or three times what mm-hmm. you have made back into the business. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of like always this um, little dance of like making some money and then and then trying to grow the business. So I'm still in that stage where like what I earn, I, I put back in the business and to have a $10,000 grant would just be so much fun. Um, and yeah, I would probably hire somebody. I think that might be my next step too, because I'm, you know, deciding on the products. I'm creating the labels with my graphic designer. I'm shipping everything myself. I'm doing customer service. I walk to the post office every day and drop off every single order and pack everyone by hand. So to hire someone would probably leave a lot more room for growth and education. I love what you said though, is we, we, we like make a dollar and then we spend five to make <laughs> totally. the business better. I feel the same way right now where I'm, sure. I'm like in an investment stage of like, how much can I invest to hopefully like push things forward? And then right. you have to be like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta sell more packages if I'm going to be totally. investing this much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much that goes into a business that you just don't know until you're in those shoes but yeah you're like interacting with the customers you're the social media presence you're the face of the brand um so yeah there's really a lot that goes into it Mm. so so much okay last question here if you could go back and tell your younger self something Oh, I feel like you've answered this already, but no, I'm so curious. What age would you be and what would you say? Oh my gosh. So I feel like I was such a late bloomer and um, yeah, I really struggled and it, it just, you know, <laughs> I, um, it may not seem that way because I think, um, you know, if somebody was looking at me now, they might have a perception that it's always been easy, but I struggled a lot with self-confidence and even just believing I was like worth anything. And, um, I was kind of always in an identity crisis and, of course, like worked for other people for so long and just, I never, like my younger self would not believe I'm self-employed and and doing this on my own. Um, And I think I always looked for validation and like a boyfriend or getting a job and having it look great on my resume um, or how I like appeared to other people. And now I'm at a place where I just don't care at all. And um, I actually really credit YouTube for a lot of that. It as being like such a shy kid where up until high school and even college, I would never raise my hand and and talk out loud. Like I would have never thought I'd have a podcast or a YouTube channel, but I think just even sitting in my room and recording videos was so big in my self growth and and confidence that 
um, I really didn't have until later in life. So I would probably honestly give her a big hug and tell her it's going to be okay. I think a lot of young people put so much pressure on themselves to, uh, it's like our parents always ask, like, what are you going to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure um, and it, it does work out. So that's what I would say. I would say you're going to figure it out. Listen to what lights you up and have tunnel vision and do just that. There's no job you have to take because a parent is telling you to. Um, and I love my parents. I have great parents. But, um, you know, you only get one life and you go home with yourself at the end of the day. So I would just give her a hug and, and tell her, um, you know, you're going to be so much better than better off than you even imagined. Um, so I think that's what I would say. That is so beautiful. And I think it's so funny that we all, we all are rushing to grow up and we're all rushing to figure it out. And then you hit a certain age and you're like, I just want to rush back in time and be like, slow down and slow down. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 It's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh man. So where can everyone become your new best friend? Oh Tell my everyone gosh. how they can find you, how they can <laughs> hang out with you. Um, yes. Anything you're excited to, to share, give us all the details, please. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So my website is www.tessaskin.com. I've got all my services and my products on there, but please come on over to Instagram and TikTok at my SD Tessa and hang out with me. Leave any questions you have about the skin. I always just, I'm curious, like what do other people want to know? Um, what would help you on your skin journey? So you can find me there as well as YouTube, Tess Zolly, and my podcast, The Treatment Room. And we will link all of those because her podcast is one of my favorites and her IG is where I get content ideas and everything. (laughs) I can't even believe you listened to the podcast. Thank you, Danielle. You were so, so awesome. And I'm so proud of you doing this. And thank you for having me on. It was so much fun. It is my absolute joy. And I hope all of you guys loved spending time with Tess as much as I do. And we're just so grateful for you to be here. Yes, we are. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Danielle. Love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to the She First World podcast. If you loved it, and we hope you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. Send this to a friend and share us on social, tagging me at danielle.stead. Until next time, talk soon, besties.